0: Amen. 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 So my name is Pastor Mitch. I'm the campus pastor here at Life Center. And this is an incredible church. We are diving one week deeper into Becoming Heart Strong Season 2. This is week 8 of 11. We are in the book of Hebrews today. Yes, that's right, Hebrews, right? You've probably seen that word on, like, a fancy, like, Christian-based coffee shop, right? Like, Hebrews, I've seen She-brews out there. Man, we're so clever, right? So clever, like amazing, amazing. But Hebrews is actually one of my favorite books of the Bible. It goes, the book of Joshua is number one for me. And then the book of Hebrews comes right after. There is so much deep, deep, deep theology in this book. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be starting there in just a moment. But the book of Hebrews is one of the books in the New Testament that we actually don't know for sure who the author is. Many of the books, Matthew, Mark, Mark, Luke, John, we, kinda, we know who wrote those. Many of the epistles uh, were penned by Paul, the letters that we've been walking through over the last couple of weeks. But the book of Hebrews, we don't actually know who wrote it, but we do know the intent. The intent of the book of Hebrews is this. At this point in time, through the journey of faith and the, and the construction of the church, persecution had risen to an all-time high. People were being thrown in prison. People were being crucified. Some would even be crucified upside down. And so at this point in time, it became very, very, very difficult to speak the name of Jesus, much less to be associated with that name. And so what was happening at the time that this book was penned is we actually had people who had come out of Judaism into a knowledge of who Jesus was. But because the persecution was so high, they actually found it easier to simply go back to the old sacrificial system. And so the author of Hebrews time and time over and over and over again warns people who have come to revelation of Jesus that this is no small thing. That what Jesus did on the cross is actually the most inspiring and consequential moment in all of history. And you can't simply understand the sacrifice of the cross and go back to things that were before. Hebrews chapter 11 goes through a list of heroes of the faith. I love this list. I love specifically Hebrews chapter 11, this, this chapter that just goes through all of these great men and women found in the Old Testament, found throughout history, and, and attributes what it was that God saw in their life that allowed them to enter into this part of the story. And I love that because it really shows us what it is that God values in our life. And this is important for us. I think it's important for us in all areas of life. If you were part of a sports team growing up, you know that those little trophies that they give you, right, that I still have under my stairs at home, that my wife, every once in a while, she sees the box and is like, why do we have all these trophies? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, look how amazing I was. It's just a reminder. When I'm feeling low, I crawl under the stairs, right? And <laughs> just, oh, <laughs> there was a time. There was a time. But those little trophies, they signified some sort of achievement, something that a team or, or, or there was a goal that you strove towards. Maybe uh, you're here today, and, and it's not sports for you, but it's cooking, and, and and there's just these these recipes that when you get it right— It's so much different than when you use salt instead of sugar. You know what I mean? Right? Like there's just something about accomplishing that goal that was set before you. Or maybe some of your heroes are great artists like Michelangelo, where you look at uh, and you know how difficult it is to just simply draw something like hands and you see the artistry, you see the tapestries that were made. So whether it's the Hall of Fame, or maybe you're here and you watch Iron Chef and those are just your heroes, or maybe it's Michelangelo or Leonardo or any of the other Ninja Turtles. But it's important for us to understand that the reason that these individuals kind of are carried throughout history, the reason that they're able to be placed in the spotlight is that they've accomplished something in their particular field. And as we read through Hebrews chapter 11, as you journey through becoming heartstrong this week, I just want to challenge you that there is a hall of faith. There is a hall of faith. And as great as the names that were written in this chapter, I believe that the author also wants to challenge us in where it is that we are at in our relationship with God to say, is your name being written down? Are you stepping into the faith that God has called you to? Last week in 1 Timothy, we walked through Paul admonishing this young leader to fight the good fight of faith. So today, let's ask the question, well, what is faith really? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is the assurance and the conviction that we stand upon. But what is faith not? Well, faith is not confined to our feelings. Amen? There will be times where we don't always feel faith. Feelings are so interesting, aren't they? There are times, and, and one of the incredible things of experiencing this relationship with God is that God can meet you in your feelings. He can't. He is a God who created emotions and he understands them. Hallelujah. Any criers in the room that are with me, right? It is okay. It is okay. He's in those tears. But our feelings do not describe the true depth of what faith is. And faith isn't an exclusive to positivity. There are times where we can experience negative emotions, where we can experience negative circumstances, and yet still remain faithful. Faith is the insurance and the conviction of things not seen. In fact, the entire uh, beginning of Hebrews, the beginning of 10 chapters, actually describe who faith is built upon. Who faith is built upon. In order to fully describe our faith, let's ask the question, well, who can we have faith in? Lee Coble, an author, wrote this. Faith has a definite object. The Christian faith is faith in Christ. He is whom our faith hopes for and is convinced of. Thank you, God. He is whom our faith points to and fully rests on. You can't have a faith is conversation without an honest faith in one as well. With the great heroes that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, 39 to 40. And again in chapter 12, 1 to 2. This is what the author points to. Hebrews chapter 11, 39, 40 says this. All of these, the characters who are listed, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Abraham. Moses. David, Joshua, incredible characters that are found in the history of the Jewish belief, that are found in the history of of Israel, penned here by the author in Hebrews chapter 11. But the author points out that while they were faithful, they did not receive the full promise. They didn't get to see Jesus. Church, what a time we live in. What a time we live in that we can pause just for a moment and think deeply of the significance that Jesus holds in your heart. Abraham and Moses and all the heroes of the Old Testament, they had this this deep and challenging faith because God was truly leading them on a journey of fully understanding, of fully uncovering, in some instances for the very first time, who the God of the Bible truly was. I mean, the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to even write the beginning of the Bible. And they were on this journey of discovering who God was as he appeared in a cloud and in a pillar of flame, as he spoke to the leadership, as he resided in the tabernacle. They were on this journey of discovering who the God of creation was. But now we live in a time where we can look fully into the face of Jesus and see who God is. See, our faith is not merely built on words. Our faith is not merely built on feelings. No, our faith is built off of the person of Jesus Christ, who lived and died for each and every one of us. We sang it this morning in in one of our worship songs, thanking Jesus for what he fully walked into for paying the price that we should have paid. Why do we believe? Because Jesus himself was faithful. Why do we believe? Because Jesus suffered in our stead. Why do we believe? Because Jesus fully revealed who the Father truly is, a Father of grace and mercy and love, a God who is holy beyond holy, a God who is righteous beyond righteous, a God who is faithful himself. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 and 3. Again, we can't have a full faith is conversation without having an honest faith in one as well. Everyone that we meet, whether they know Jesus or not, carries a sense and a piece of faith. There are different measurements. There are different ways that we qualify this faith or maturities within the faith. But each and every one of us to the core is built with a desire to have a source in what it is that we're believing in. Humanism is rooted in faith in humanity. Secularism is rooted in a faith and trusted space that all places are neutral. There's no God, there's no devil. Religion is an earned faith in what we do versus what Jesus has done. Jesus said the truth and exclusively placing our faith in him, there will be areas where we will be hated for this. But we always need to remember that God oversees it all. That we have a free will. And that every, at every turn, God is ready to lean into our moments of faith. Thank you, God. James 1, 2-8 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person was not supposed that he would receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now what is James saying here? Is James saying that doubt is wrong? Church, is God afraid of your doubt? No. I actually believe that in our walk of faith, there will be times where God will actually place questions in our heart because he wants to journey through those things with us. There's a difference between being in a moment of doubt and being a doubter. Hello? There's a difference between being in a moment of doubt and being a doubter. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you have questions about who God is, about who Jesus is, about how to interact with the Holy Spirit, this is the right place to ask those questions. And we embrace those questions no matter how hard they may be. Because our God, he is complex, but he is full of love. And he is ready to walk those questions out with us. Now what James is talking about is being in situations where God is providing the revelation of Jesus in your life. Where God is providing those different opportunities for you to fully see who he is. And yet we sit there and say, but is he? Church, it's not wrong to doubt. But it is not within what we're called to do to simply sit in our doubt and wallow. Come on. It is not wrong to doubt. But it is not within our call to relationship to sit in that doubt and wallow. God wants to restore your hope this morning. Somebody say amen. Come on, God wants to restore your peace this morning. Somebody say amen. It is not God's desire that you would stay in that place of despair. I promise. I promise. It is not God's desire for your life that you would stay in that place of misunderstanding of who the Father truly is. I promise. How do we know this? Because he sent his son. See, one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth is that as God was looking at his creation and saw the representation of people who were supposed to be pointing to the Father, one of the greatest miracles that Jesus did, apart from the cross, is he came to earth and gave a revelation of who the Father truly is. God doesn't want you to walk through your entire existence not fully understanding who he is. But we need to have our eyes open. We need to have our, our, our faith muscle ready to be tested and straight and, and strengthened and, and, and put through the, the different things that life will bring us. Because you can grow in your faith. You can grow in your faith. And sometimes it is going to be glorious, So good. If you've ever been to a retreat or a convention as a young person, there is just something so special about setting three days in the life of a teenager aside. And for some reason, we always, like, we would go to conventions and retreats and be shocked that Jesus would show up. But how many times do we actually put three to four to five days aside just for Jesus? Of course he's going to show up. There's going to be times in your life, church, where we're going to have, maybe at the end of a service, uh, one of our hosts will invite you for prayer, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that moment, and just through the words of another brother or sister, God will show up in that moment, and your faith will grow, because they shouldn't know what it is that they're saying. We have already had in the short year and a half that I've been here, multiple testimonies of people coming up for prayer, suffering from infertility, and two, three, four months later coming up and giving praise that they're pregnant. Come on. If that doesn't grow your faith, like sometimes your faith will grow through glorious situations. We will enter into situations, church, where we will see cancer mysteriously disappear in Jesus' name. We're going to see it because that's our God. Our God is a healer. We're going to watch as relationships that the enemy wanted to destroy will be restored in Jesus' name. We're going to watch as young people that you've been praying for for a long time, maybe sons and daughters who have walked away from the faith, will walk through either these doors or another church's doors because God has not let go. Our faith will grow and sometimes it will be glorious. And other times our faith will grow. And sometimes it will be really hard. One of my favorite examples of the faith is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where they're standing before the king Nebuchadnezzar. And they've been ordered, not just them, but all of the people of the city. They've been ordered that at the sound of the trumpet, they will bow down to this false idol that was made in the king's image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they know that there is only one king that they will ever bow down to. And so as the trumpet sounds and everyone else bows, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, being true to his word, has his men grab them and escorts them to the fiery furnace. He had already made the promise that anyone that did not bow would be thrown into the fire. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand before the king. They say these words. King, our God can save us from this fire. So Nebuchadnezzar said, turn it up. (laughs) He doubled the heat of the fire. But those weren't the last words that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spoke. And I didn't know this. And I'm sure some great elderly lady in my dad's home church would have taught me, but I never fully heard these words. They said, but even if he doesn't, he's still God. Nebuchadnezzar's guards, listen, that's a hard word, okay? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar's guards, escorted those three young men to the fire. The Bible tells us that they couldn't actually withstand the flame. So hot. And as those three young men were pitched into the furnace, there appeared a fourth. And they didn't know who it was at that point, but it was Jesus. And he was with them in the flame. Church, there will be times in our lives where our faith will be built through glorious circumstances, where God will appear in the midst of the storm and he will speak, peace, be still, and those things will pass. And there are other times where we're going to look around and not know fully where Jesus is as the storm is raging on. And it may feel like he is not present. But church, can I encourage you today, his eye has not left you. And even if that storm rages, I want to encourage you, he is on the water, walking towards you in the midst of the storm. And he may invite you out of the boat into the middle of the waves, but God will not leave us nor forsake us. Some of our faith will be grown in times where we ask the cancer to leave, and yet it just doesn't seem to do that. And our loved ones pass on before us. May they pass from this moment into the full glory of what is yet to come. Hallelujah. But just because God doesn't heal the cancer doesn't mean that he's not God. And if you don't live to see that loved one come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that they won't. Our God is faithful. Amen? One of the greatest tests of faith and areas that that I've walked with people through is given this word from God, and I just want to encourage all of us today. For those that you love, for those that you're praying for, Maybe you're here and there's prayers currently that are keeping you up at night. As you ask God to step into these different circumstances. That love that you feel, those tears that you shed, the depth of your love for those that God has allowed to be in your story. Can I encourage you with something today? He loves them more. I'm gonna say that again. For those that you're praying for, your friends, your family, your loved ones, For as much as you love them and as much as you care, I want to tell you this morning, He loves them more. You have lived with them. You have grown with them. He created them. He, in this very moment, is breathing life into them. He is sustaining this entire world. That is the God that we serve. And so, as your heart breaks for your loved ones, I want to let you know that God understands. He gets it. He watched his son walk willingly to the cross. He watched his son be insulted and beaten for a price that his son never deserved to pay. He watched him be torn and and, and scattered and, and all of these things. He watched his son hang on the cross for our sin. God gets it. His love runs so much deeper than we'll ever possibly know. What a revelation that we can have in our faith when we fully understand that he has called us by name. As you journey in this this wrestle of faith, church, never lose that first love. We prayed this over a few of our Alpha uh, students yesterday. I was just praying and asking God that he would restore the joy of our salvation, that we would have a faith that is tested and yet remains in Christ. That our faith would produce steadfastness. A faith that would be patient and enduring. A faith with the power to sustain. Church, maybe we be full of faith that is maturing in Christ. Our God is faithful. And so we can have faith in him. And this is where James would encourage us to ask it, to ask these things of God in faith. He says, but let him ask in faith. No, not doubting. Doubting is the opposite of steadfastness. When you come to your questions, don't allow your questions to end in questions. Some of you are with me. Some of you are like, what did you just say? Okay. When you come to your questions, don't let your questions end in questions. God has... The answer. Yes. This is so good. This is so good. See, I've walked with many people, and some of you here today, you've been asking God the where's, the how's, the why's, the when's, the, you know, whatever those, those special words are. I think I'm missing a couple. But you've been asking God all those questions. But are you actually pursuing the answer? See, sometimes in our doubt, we become comfortable. Did I say that? Okay. Sometimes in our doubt we become comfortable because I'll be honest with you. There are times that journeying through doubt can be really, really hard. What you're going to find out about God is that he is complex. That he doesn't always fit in the tight little box that we want to place him in. Amen? Our God is a roaring lion. He is full of power. We will not fully understand God completely until we see him face to face. And so some of these questions that you have, the theology that you're going to have to wrestle through in order to deal with the answers that God wants to provide is difficult, it's hard, but guess what? That's why you're not called to it alone. If you're here this morning the enemy has tricked you that you're all alone and you're the only one that's ever asked that question, I encourage you, why don't you start talking to the people around you about the questions that you have. What you'll find is many of them will say, oh, I asked that. Oh, I wrestled through that. I have a brother or a sister in this room. They're actually right over there. And they walk through that same circumstance. And I don't want to let you know your question is valid. Because what you're walking through is really hard. But can I also encourage you that God is with you? Let's not allow our doubts to simply end in questions. Church, if you really want to grow in your relationship with God, if you really want to grow in your faith, take those doubts, place them before God, and say, God, I'm going to sit here with you in the throne room, and we are going to wrestle this out together. I'm going to go to prayer on Tuesday. At lunch, I'm gonna go to Heartstrong at six o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna call up my pastor. I'm gonna call up my brother or sister. I'm gonna go on Friday and work out with those crazy people that work out on Fridays here at the church. God bless you, Jeff Brown. Because I know that if I can't find the answers on my own, God hasn't called me to this journey alone. There are brothers and sisters that surround me that maybe they don't have the answers, but they will pray with me. They will believe with me. Church, I want to encourage you today that one of the greatest overcomers of doubt in your life is the prayer of the saints. Just to hear that your question is valid. Because sometimes the enemy will challenge you in that space. Oh, you doubt? So you don't believe. Oh, you doubt? So you don't trust. And if you don't trust, how could God love you if you don't trust him? The enemy will try to whisper these lies, but let God's truth speak louder. Oh, you doubt? Come closer. Oh, you doubt? Touch my hands. Thomas, I'm here. God is not afraid of our doubt. He actually invites us into the moments of those questions so that our faith can grow. If you have friends or family that have walked away from the faith because they simply don't understand how God could have or how he could have let these things happen, invite them into that conversation. They may not change just based off of what the theological answers and information that you provide, but at least they know that they can wrestle through it. That Christianity is a safe place to wrestle through your journey in faith. May each of us feel welcome at the feet of Jesus. That we can raise our hands before the King. And that we would understand that he would point to us and say, yes, my child, what's your question? But then we need to pause to listen to his answer. Amen? Come on, God's the best. So what is faith really? Well, faith is the assurance, the conviction that we have, that we grow to hold about who Jesus truly is. Faith in Christ is our soil, our anchored hope, our present trust, our future certainty. And our faith will be discovered, but we will discover that our genuine faith is actually found in Christ. Salvation is by faith. Understanding who we truly are is by faith. The ability to forgive others comes through faith. Tithing and generosity comes through faith. And reaching out to those who don't know Jesus yet, evangelism comes through faith. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who have all the answers. No, sorry. Which God has promised to those who are perfect. Oh, sorry. Which God has promised to those who have never suffered, God who's promised to those who blindly follow. No, what James says is that the crown of life will be given which God has promised to those who love him. Just think about the people that you love and the journey that you're willing to go on for them. Okay, Pastor Mitch getting real this morning. It's not always easy, is it? even with those that you would say, I love that person. Cassie, it's really easy. This is mostly like for for me, right? Like I know, I know it's hard this way. But it's not always easy, is it? To go on the journey with those that we love, but we push through. Let us not fall into the trap of so quickly abandoning the one who loves us more than anyone else. He's not looking for your perfection. He's not looking for your deep theological answers. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be righteous. Why? Because there is truth and life found in those things. He wants you to know who he truly is. He wants you to go on this journey. And it doesn't make it hard just for hard's sake, but the thing is this, is that the simple road and the easy road, that's a road that leads to destruction the road of life. The Bible says that it's narrow. But let us not mistake that for God having his arms crossed and closed. Amen? No, our God is right there on the road with us, willing to journey and walk it out. He's got a crown for each and every one of us if we love him. Jesus, as he was speaking to his disciples, he said, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, then go and keep my commandments. Because in a relationship with someone that you truly love, you will do things that may not be exactly what you want to do, but out of love, place yourself at the back say for love I can do that and isn't that our example in Jesus Christ that for love he came to serve not be served that for love he willingly walked to the cross for you and I that here in this room today because of love simply calling on the name of Jesus your sin can be forgiven in this moment your faith can grow some of you this morning, you're gonna receive that glorious moment, encounter with Christ once again. Maybe you've already experienced it this morning as the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. Some of you this morning, this, this message is difficult because you're right in the midst of the storm, but just because it's difficult doesn't make it any less true. It just means you might need to invite somebody along for the journey with you to remember that you don't have to walk that road alone because God is there and he's invited all of this family to be in that place as well. Church, can we pray today? Oh God, won't you do it? Every Sunday. Every Sunday is such a gift, God. Lord, I thank you for all of those Faith warriors that are listed in the book of Hebrews, that you have accredited to them faith, Lord, and they didn't even know your son. And so for us, Lord Jesus, now that we have that example of your God, of your son, fully God, fully man, living out that perfected humanity and dying in our said Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that we will double down in our journey of faith. God, let our doubts not diminish our desire to be in relationship with you. And may we not so quickly and so easily release our grasp on the hand that you so freely offer. But instead, Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would grow us in our faith. God, that we would have real, vivid encounter with you. God, I pray that there would be those tonight, God, who would dream dreams and see visions, Lord God, to share with the church. May prophecy, Lord Jesus, rise up in this place. God, I pray that we would pray like never before. As we lean in once again, believing and understanding that you are the God of the miraculous for those of us, Lord Jesus, that are in that season where faith growth is difficult, God, I pray that no one would wrongly walk that that road by themselves. And so, Lord, for the community that you've risen here, may this continue to be a safe place where we can ask questions, where we can go for prayer, where we can say, I just don't get it. Because, God, you can be found in the middle of it all. And so, Lord, what is faith? It really comes down to putting our trust in your Son. And so, Lord Jesus, would you build us up today? God, we pray for every church in this city. God, continue to draw people to your Son. May there be more names written down in glory today all across this great capital. Lord Jesus, for those kids, once again, I pray, God, Holy Spirit, would you teach them beyond any wisdom that we have, teach them, Lord Jesus, the depth of who you are. God, we love you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us this morning. Amen.